So happy to have you with me this week on the show. I have to say that one of the top complaints that I hear as we're looking at how we can live with less stress, how we can bring more flow into our lives is I just don't have the time, right? Everyone struggles with time and I am no different. But today we're going to take a look at why it's worth putting in a little bit of effort to reclaim your time, ways that you can make the most of your time what's worth putting back into your schedule to occupy that time you created for yourself so that you can feel refreshed, restored, and renewed so you feel lit up about the things that you want to do and the people you want to spend your time with. Thanks for joining us this week. Living in a stressful world doesn't mean you have to give up on happiness. Instead, you can shift your perspective of stress and discover how to live your life in flow. Welcome to Happified. I'm your host, Susie Vine. Join me for inspiration and interviews with folks who are shining their light in the world in the areas of positive mindset, health, and wellness. I'm so happy to have you here. Welcome back. I am so happy to have you with me this week on the show for a conversation about a couple of things that I know can feel a little bit sticky. Last week, we were taking a look at how we can move the needle on stress, why it is so supportive to work with someone when you are ready to make that commitment to, to embrace life with less stress and more flow. And now I'm going to address one of the top objections that I hear. The reason that I think most people just keep on taking it, tolerating life the way it is, and instead of looking for solutions and really trying to move the needle, feeling less stressed, feeling like they have more time for the things that light them up, and that's exactly it right there. I've already spilled the beans, but I hope you'll stick with me for the rest of the show. How do we make the time for the things that we feel are really important? If you're like most people, if you are like myself, just to be fully authentic and honest, having that time to spend with the people that you love, to do the things that light you up, these can be really difficult. And it's easy to be hard on yourself because it feels like something we should be able to find the solution for. I'm going to share with you some solutions today, some perspectives, some insights that I hope will help you feel empowered to reclaim your time, to see how you can start to change priorities and put yourself back at the front <laughs> so you can have more time for the things that you really enjoy, the people that you love to be with, and pursuing your dreams. Let's just go for it all here, right? It's not unfair or unreasonable to ask for your optimal outcome. Let's just go for it. So how can you make time to pursue your dreams when life keeps on clamoring for your attention around the edges? And in the midst of that, what I think is really important in terms of finding the things that light us up, being clear on what dreams you have, as well as how you can start taking steps towards those. I really think that a big factor in being able to get there, a factor in being able to resolve stress so you can hit reset and restore yourself is creating time for self-care. And I'm not talking about the fluffy, inconsequential kind of self-care. It's not only bubble baths and eye masks, although there are days when that is the self-care that I am craving and that I give myself. 
But self-care is really whatever works best for you. What kind of care do you need to give yourself so you feel rested and restored, renewed, recharged, ready to go? What kind of attention does your body require? Does your mind and spirit crave so that you can fill your cup, so that you can give to the things that you want to do in your life? Self-care altogether helps us feel more energized. It helps our health stay strong. It helps us resist disease. And it's summertime, but I hear so many people coming down with different bugs right now. We're traveling a little bit more, but we're also pushing ourselves, right? The cost of living is going up. We're taking on as much work as we can manage. We're trying to be available to friends and family because it's summertime and we want to enjoy all of those benefits as well while we have them. Even though here in San Diego, we don't have the same seasons that I grew up with in Illinois. I still feel very calendar oriented. It's summer. I need to be outside and doing all the things that I can right now because this is the season when we try to pack it all in, right? So rather than being hard on ourselves and trying to do more with the same amount of time, the same calendar without moving anything off of your schedule, how can we start to move these pieces, perform a little Tetris mastery and make space? How can we do this for our physical well-being and so that we feel now and then a little bit more relaxed? How do we get to recover from the demands of everyday life? It's not easy to do. And I remember hearing years ago now that time only goes faster as you get older. And I have definitely seen this to be true. There are some people who would say we are going through some big changes energetically, even astrologically. There are reasons why we feel like time is changing and shifting. We're so much more digital and into this realm of idea and concepts than what we can physically do with our hands. And even that has a nature of shifting the way that we address time, our relationships with time. And so it really is up to us to take control of it. We can't wait I can raise my hand here. I have looked for the opportunity for time to slow down and I don't believe it's coming. I think that we have to be proactive in reclaiming our time and putting our priorities on the map so that they don't get lost. So just to briefly start with what self-care is, because I think that's a big factor of finding the benefit and the support that we need for ourselves. So as we start to make time for ourselves? How can we bring in some more of this care for ourselves that is so fundamental and relevant so it actually works for you? And so that it's something that's actually going to stick, right? Because creating new habits is hard. So if creating a habit of self-care, whether that's meditation, whether that's exercise, whether that's time with friends and community, all of those count as self-care. Where do we find that and what capacity does that fit? And so I've just given you some brief examples. So self-care goes beyond something that's simply defined as care for our physical bodies or care for our emotional and mental well-being or that community connection, that social opportunity that we're looking for. Self-care transcends these things. And I think fundamentally it is, just as I've already said, whatever is most supportive for you. It also changes 
different days of the week, but certainly different seasons of our lives in terms of what we need to be bringing in to feel more restored and supported. But when you get there, when you have been able to accommodate some self-care, when you stop letting it fall off of your list, you get to recognize so many beautiful benefits. You, of course, do feel less stressed. You feel better rested. Your sleep is more productive because you have less stress following you into the night or engaging your mind if you wake up during the night. So when we can disengage from stress, that has a huge ripple effect. We always feel more positive. We feel happier more easily. The gratitude practice is a wonderful self-care practice because it does help to train our brain to put value on our better feelings. And so we feel more positive and that positivity has ripple effects. We spread our happiness through three degrees. You might've heard me share this. This is one of my favorite insights that comes from the field of positive psychology. When you're feeling more positive, you don't only uplift the people that you come into contact with. But those people in turn uplift another degree of people and then a degree beyond them. So the ripple effect really can be found, can be illustrated as we feel more positive. This is an energy that we are moving into the world and it is an energy that the world needs right now. I remember bumper stickers. If you're not angry, you're not paying attention. And it's easy to fall into that. We feel like we have to pick up the fight. We have to stand and defend. And there are times and places for that. And there are allies that are needed and we need to be available for those opportunities. And we can't always be fighting that fight. That can't be our sole focus because we get drained, because that stress wears us down, because we can't keep holding that line if we're never restoring ourselves. So we have to look for that as in all things balance. And balance isn't a dirty word. It's whatever it is that's working for you right now. Balance is more like a teeter-totter than a destination. This week, we get to bring the fight. We get to stand and defend the people who need us to be behind them and supporting them and fight for the peace that we have to have and equality. And this week, I need to put down the fight and I need to take care of myself so that I can keep showing up, right? So positivity, balance, if you prefer harmony is a wonderful word to put into that space as well. But also don't forget that when you take care of yourself, when you're really working at your peak, because we can do that when we are rested, we are more productive. It's easier to find the success that we are chasing after because we have the fuel to get there. So don't leave your tank running on empty. Don't be running on stress. I talked about that last week too on the show. Don't be using that kind of toxic stress as the energy that you feel is pushing you forward and helping you get things done. It's going to leave you stranded on the side of the road when you really need it. It's not the kind of endless fuel that you can rely on and that's going to move you forward and support your health throughout your years. I'm hearing stories of people with health crises going on right now, and I have to remind myself and I remind friends, it doesn't get easier than it is right now. Our health right now, at the age that you are, is not going to be any easier to restore or maintain than now. So what actions can we be taking to support ourselves 
so that we can enjoy the best health now and into the future, right? We can't be putting it off for that more time. As soon as this project is done, as soon as I get the job that I'm dreaming of having after this one, as soon as, and then when, and I promise, right? All of that falls apart. So how can we start making changes now to support ourselves now and into the future? Now, and as I've already said, I tend to come up with topics on the show that I need to be hearing. And this is certainly something that I have been struggling with. I already shared it's summer and I feel called to say yes to the social opportunities. I've been hosting some live events here. So if you're in San Diego and you want a sound bath, you should reach out to me because they're really beautiful. I'm having so much fun offering these crystal singing bowl sound bath opportunities for local friends. And I just keep adding things into my schedule. And one of the things, and I'll come back to this, is putting myself on my schedule so that I don't fall off of that list, right? So that I don't lose priority amongst everything else that I feel is important in creating and sharing. Because if I can't keep showing up to deliver, then none of these things will come into being. How do I protect this, prevent burning out and everything else that we know, logically, we know that we can't sustain life at the rate that we typically get ourselves booked into. And it's not only the things that are on our schedule that are taking up our time and attention. It's not only accepting every meeting that comes to pass, accepting those requests from parent or volunteer organizations or family members who know that they can call on you. But it's also the little things that come up during the day that steal our time, right? You, like me, may be subject to doom scrolling, right? When you pick up your phone, the notification catches your attention. You go to that notification or you see another notification and you fall into the news feed. Or even lately, I don't know if you have the Weather Channel app on your phone, but even the Weather Channel has videos that capture me. And then I'm over there in that app, right? Falling into the digital device, the email inbox, with this hopeless dream that you're going to get that down to zero. If you're looking for an inbox of zero goal, I'm not your stress buddy. I just take what I can and I leave the rest, right? I have Gmail for a reason. It's great at sorting. I keep my business inboxes clean, but I let my personal inbox do what it will because it's not worth my bandwidth to try to get that down to a clean slate. God bless you, Gmail, for your copious amounts of storage. Another way that I have lost some fair amount of time is trying to clean off my desk, right? I'm going to sit down at my desk, but before I get started, before I know what I really want to do today, I'm just going to clean some things off of my desk, which usually amounts to moving around, shuffling some piles, putting some piles back for future sorting or attention. And I really haven't moved anything except the hands on the clock. So these little activities that can creep in, they never make it onto your calendar per se. But if you start catching yourself, paying attention to how often you use these distractions, 
to avoid doing what you want to do or what you don't want to be doing, consider how much time we can be starting to reclaim, right? Recognizing what's most important to you for your time and attention. Something that we can take a look at that occurs to me now and then as I'm moving through the world is if people met me, if they didn't know me, but they knew from my communications from where I am right now, what would people see my values to be? And is that on track with what I believe are my values? Is the way that I'm spending my time and putting my attention aligned with the values that I hold the most important? Or is it, are we falling victim to the things that get put in our face, thrown on our plate, that social media and social systems put priority on and we just go along with it, right? We fall into someone else's agenda rather than maintaining our own. So I think it's a good checkpoint to take a look now and then and find out, are we living aligned with our values or have those been put in the back seat because we're trying to keep up at work and socially and everything else and we're not maintaining our personal priority. You're going to hear me come back to this a couple of times because I really think that in terms of reclaiming our time, it's so important to maintain our personal priority, to know what that is so that you can keep that to the forefront. And then one other theory, if you're looking for ways in which we can get perspective on where our time goes, is it going to distraction and mindless activities? Is it going to what other people think is more important than what we believe is important? Or are we losing it in the noise? And in the work that I used to do with the move management company, we used to refer to the Pareto principle quite a lot in a slightly different fashion. But first, so the 80-20 rule, right? In terms of time, and this is where we hear it most often referred to, 80% of the returns or the benefit, 80% of our impact comes from what we do with 20% of our time. 20% of our time is actually going to the things that move the needle the most. So how can we maximize that time and clear the busy work out of our schedule? How can we get the most benefits and reclaim that unnecessary time that goes to it? What are the, the things that aren't as productive as beneficial that are filling our calendars? It takes some perspective to take a look at that. That could be something you could calendar for yourself, but to take a look at. It falls for clients too. If you're someone who works in sales or manages client projects, but you'll know that about 20% of your clients bring 80% of your return. So how can you best support those 20%, but also how can you bring in more of those and be more efficient rather than letting the other 80% of your clientele, the people that you're serving be eating up so much of your time. And so I'll share how in the move management industry, when I was helping people downsize their homes and let me know, share in the comments, if you think this is true too, 80% of what we use every day is comprised of only 20% of what we own. So think about how much that other 80% of what we own takes up time, space, 
cleaning, maintaining, paying for storage, where are our resources going? If we start looking at that, how that 80-20 rule applies to time, to the work that we do, to the resources that we have, it's a really empowering way of starting to look at things because it puts you back in the driver's seat. And that's what's really important to recognize is that this is your time. This is your opportunity to reclaim it. Nobody else is going to come along and say, it looks like you could use some support here unless you're working with a coach. And we're like, okay, this is now our priority. This is what we're going to take a look at. But in general, it's up to you to identify this, to draw these boundaries or implement these techniques to find out what works for you because we're all different. But no one else is going to defend your calendar except yourself. So you really have to get clear on why it matters, on the benefits of having more time in your schedule for the things that matter to take better care of yourself and what you can be doing with that. And so next we will get into some time management techniques. These are some well-known, I've shared these on previous episodes, but right now we're coming back to it. And I've got some new information that maybe you haven't even heard about. So this is really exciting information coming from research. And I'll share this in just a second. But first we'll start with the kind of the go-tos, right? In terms of managing your time and your resources, one of the first you can do to tackle your to-do list, if that to-do list just keeps on going, it never seems to find an end. The Eisenhower matrix is a terrific way of finding your priorities and recognizing that priorities change, right? And so the Eisenhower matrix is a pretty simple and straightforward practice. Simple isn't always easy, but if you make on a piece of paper a square and then divide that into quarters, so you've got four blocks and across the top, say you're going to write urgent and not urgent. And along the side, you're going to write important and not important. And so your urgent and important items go in the top left box and you fill in from there, urgent and not important, right? Because those happen too. And because tasks come with urgency, even if they're not important, they can be bumping things that are important, but not urgent. So that's really a powerful box to identify there. When we start to recognize what is important, but not urgent. What are the things that are sitting there that are never getting done? That could be benefiting your business, that could be healing conditions that you're working with and trying to resolve, that could be improving your quality of life, improving your relationships, helping you learn. Often classes that we want to be doing are in that important but not urgent category. And then what on your to-do list is even in that not urgent and not important category, right? Take a look at that. Find out if they need to stay on your list, if they can be delegated or assigned to someone else and clear some of that off of your list. I'm not saying that everything on your list has to find somewhere and still make it onto your schedule. This is a great way of getting perspective on priorities, especially if you've had some things on your list for a long time that you just haven't been able to move. And as you reclaim time over your calendar, look for ways to schedule those important and not urgent activities so that you can get to them again, because no one else is going to defend your calendar. So if you don't put them on your calendar, they're not very likely to get done. So how can you take a look at those priorities using this Eisenhower matrix? I love to call them my e-news, my important, not urgent projects and, and feel like you're more in control of that list. 
Now, another method that is really helpful, and I just referred to putting some of those things directly onto your calendar, is time blocking. So you can use your calendar, especially now that digital calendars are so easily accessible on your computer, on your phone. I love my Google Calendar because I create calendars for different groups and events. I can share those with those groups and events. I can bring calendars from other groups and events onto mine and display them or copy items right over. It's very efficient. I love it. I love to look at the time. I also get to make the choice of sometimes I do not subscribe to my calendar and I don't follow what it's telling me to do. But if there's a question, I can look there. And so time blocking helps not only, especially when you're not only putting your work and social engagements on there, perhaps. But if you start adding your exercise time, if you're honest about where your time is going, if you're giving the kids rides to school, or if you've got your commute, add that in so that it's on your schedule. When I have my work shifts on my schedule, it includes my travel time. It's not just my start to finish time so that I know that time is blocked out. I'm not overbooking. That's really the trick with time blocking is you can see where things are. If you agree to take something on, you put it on your calendar. If you're going to overwrite something that's on your calendar, you reassign that item, that activity to another time so that it doesn't get lost. Time blocking helps you take control and see where your time is going and feel more in control. The next technique, very popular in the last few years, everybody's come back around to the Pomodoro technique or working in focused blocks of time. And often the Pomodoro technique is 25 minutes of work followed by a five minute break and can be very successful if you shut out notifications and distractions and focus on what you're doing. It gives you that opportunity to get up, to stretch, to refresh your mind, to clear the slate and come back to what you're doing. And you can generally fit those in through the course of the day. So it can be a great way to tune in and get focused and get some things done. And this is working for a lot of people. There are even co-working groups where you can go online and you can often via Zoom, join a group that's doing some time block working in this regard, working for 25 minutes or whatever the group feels is productive, sometimes 45 minutes with a five minute break. And then you've got a little bit of accountability, right? You're showing up to work, you're working with other people. It gives you a little more impetus to not slide over into social media or that email inbox unless that is a focus you have indicated for that block of time. So Pomodoro technique can be very helpful if that's not something that you have tried already, although I know a lot of folks are using that. So let me know if that's something that works for you. Or this is something that I find really fascinating. I love to geek out on our biology and learn how we can make our biology work to our benefit, right? So another theory of productivity or method of utilizing our focus is by calling on our biological rhythms called ultradian cycles, ultradian like ultra focus, ultradian cycles run in about 90 minute blocks. There's typically one very strong one in the morning and one in the afternoon. Our bodies tend to run in 90 minute blocks. If you have one of these health trackers that monitors your sleep, 
you might notice that there are 90 minute intervals where you go through deep sleep and REM sleep and that sort of thing, right? And so this is just utilizing our body's natural energy. And in the morning, we get a spike of cortisol. And so that's why in the morning, pretty consistently at some point, it's going to be a little bit different for everybody. We will have an ultradian cycle. And that is a 90 minute period that's facilitated by the cortisol, the other neurotransmitters and hormones in our body that give us an ability for intense focus and learning. Our mind is primed so we can be doing mental work. We can even be doing physical work if it's challenging or demanding, and we want to really teach our body something. And so this 90 minute cycle, there's a little bit of warm up time getting into premium focus. There's a little bit of fallout time as we lose the focus. So there's really an hour in the middle of 90 minutes when we can count on our body being able, being most primed to be able to sit down and get some work done. So this takes some checking in with your body. This isn't like just the time blocking or the Pomodoro technique saying, I'm sitting down, I'm doing this for 20 minutes. This is observing your body for a little bit, finding which 90 minutes or which hour of your morning you feel the most focused. Looking at that over the course of a couple of days or a week to get some clarity on it, and then starting to look at how you can build your schedule to maximize that. How can you schedule the projects that are going to require your most focus and attention? And so you can take advantage of these ultradian cycles one in the morning and one in the afternoon. If you really want to boost your productivity, typically you can catch an earlier one in the afternoon. So whatever you notice your optimal focus time is in the morning, you can often, and this is the where it takes a little bit more discipline, you can look for the 90 minute session prior to that. And you might be able to get two ultradian cycles in before lunch and then capture the afternoon. It's a little harder in the evening, again, because the cortisol spikes in the morning and we've got that rest clock that's accruing through the day. So you might be somebody who has better focus in the afternoon. You might be one of these night owl people. I tend to be a morning person. And so I think that I'm going to be more likely able to find this as I tune in and pay some attention to this. I love the Huberman lab and Dr. Nick Huberman dives into this in his podcast episode. So there's some real fascinating, I love, like I said, using our biology to find the way to make the most of what we do, it's like using our breath to calm down stress. And I have some great tips and resources in an episode I did recently on exercises to tone the vagus nerve. If you're looking to bring yourself out of stress really quickly and clearly, use your biology. There's some great tips in that, and I'll link that in the show notes. I have been hearing from some people that it's really profound having these exercises so that when they recognize they need to come out of stress, they need to hit a reset, they're able to do this. And in less than a minute, they can feel differently. They feel the relaxation coming back on board. They feel themselves shifting out of stress. So using our biology to our advantage is something that as we finally wrap our minds around the vast abilities and potential of our minds, we're going to learn more and more. I think it's really exciting. So stay tuned. I'll be sharing these as much as I can as I learn about them. But it is all connected, right? It all is integrated. And so even knowing these biological secrets, having these systems and structures and optimizing our calendar doesn't do everything we need it to do if we don't know how to say no. 
So how do we stop taking things onto our schedule? How do we only accept the things that are a hell yes? And if they're not a hell yes, then it's got to be a no. You might have heard my conversation with Robin Quinkeen. She's fantastic. She's been helping overachievers and high commitment people for a long time. And that's one of the things that she really got clear on is if it doesn't bring her joy, it's going to be a no. Because at a point, we can't keep accepting everything that sounds promising, that sounds exciting, that sounds like that has the potential to move our career forward, to go have fun with friends. All of these things come and try to demand our attention. And at some point, if we're not holding our boundaries, if we're not saying no and honoring ourselves and our space, then that slippery slope has already been established. We start losing our space and our boundaries and we start falling back to this overcommitment overextension of ourselves. And then there's nothing left to give, right? We start snapping at the people that we care about. We have to say no to the things that would really light us up because we've already given our time away. So how do we find it a little easier to say no? Bit of a conundrum. This is another thing that it just keeps taking work. It's not a destination. We don't just declare boundaries and have boundaries that are maintained and everyone who meets us respects them, right? There are always people who are testing boundaries. Family's really good at this. So learning how to say no to things that don't align with your priorities, with your values, making sure that you still have space for yourself for your own goals that are aligned for you so that you're not giving that away when people pop up and ask you for favors or help or support. It can be really hard. It can really catch you when people say, I haven't been able to get anyone else. There's no one else who can do this like you. That's a really good one, right? You're the best at this. Can you help us with this? Learning how to not let guilt Create your response, looking at how you can hold on to that clarity, have those boundaries. If it's something that you do feel important about, you might be able to negotiate the extent of your commitment, right? I can do this much, but I'm not going to agree to the whole thing. You need to have someone else do this aspect of it, and then I can agree to doing this. Looking for ways that you can maintain your priority and not be giving yourself away. Know that you don't have to tell the whole story. No is a complete sentence. That's what they tell us. Sometimes it feels like people are waiting for the rest of the paragraph, but no is enough. You don't have to make excuses. You don't have to explain yourself. If you want to, if you choose to, if this person is worth that transparency and honesty, then you can let them know about it. But don't feel like you have to have an exceptional reason in order to hand out a no. If it's not this time, right? If somebody wants you to do something and you really want to be able to do it, but this isn't the time, then be clear about when you're available for it. If it's something that you're worried about missing out on, this sounds amazing. The girls are planning a trip. They're going away for a weekend and you just can't make it work. Start to plan for the next one so you don't feel like you're missing out. Say, is this a good time for you? Let's plan on something next year and I can put this on my calendar and I won't miss out. Or let's do something in the next season or the next quarter so we have something to look forward to. I can't do this one, but I'd love to look forward to the next one. Let me know another idea that you have and I can start looking into that. Honor yourself and don't let FOMO, don't let that fear of missing out start to make your choices for you. 
And finally, as you're talking with people and when it has to be a no, avoid answering when you're reacting. If you're resentful, oh my God, they ask again, they ask every year. This person always wants help with this. It's easy to be reactive when we say no. And it's really helpful when you can take a breath. If you need to take some time, let me check my calendar. I'll get back to you on this. Give yourself a pause in whatever fashion you need to so that you can be heart-centered in your no, so that you're not coming from that defensive or irritated state, but you can get centered. You can be clear on why this is important to you, why you need to let this person know you're not available to this, but being heart-centered is something that people perceive right? So when that energy shifts, when you're not being reactive and irritated, but when you can express, this is what works for me. This is where I'm coming from. This is why it's a no for me. People can start to receive that energy. They might not take it in. They might not be satisfied with it. That's their problem and that's not yours. But if you can find a point at which you can be more heart-centered in defending your boundaries, it can be really helpful, especially as you need to, as we all know, keep maintaining those people keep testing the boundaries and you might have to come back with more heart centered. No, I'm not available for that. Good luck finding someone that can help you out with that situation. And then one other thing that I want to touch on really quickly is this capacity that a lot of us have. High achievers tend to be perfectionists. We want things to look exactly the way we picture them. We want to fulfill the letter of the contract, of the concept, of whatever it is that we're chasing, right? Until it's perfect, we don't want to deliver on it. And that can be difficult because then things never get off of our list. I had a terrific conversation about perfectionism and high achievers and how we can be using that to hold ourselves back. And I'm going to link that in the show notes. Liz Onyebo is a wonderful high-performance coach who's overcome her own tendencies towards perfectionism and has some really great insights. So if that's something that you notice in yourself, Check out this episode with Liz. It'll be really insightful in letting yourself off the hook and coming to terms with what really is good enough. Your good enough is probably still going to surpass other people's expectations. So look for ways you can release that perfectionism and find balance so that you're not, again, giving your time away to the things that don't require it. You don't have to have it absolutely flawless. So much of the time having it already available is so much more worthwhile than having it picture postcard perfect. One thing that I hope that you'll begin to embrace as you start to master your time, as you start to protect your time and reclaim it for yourself, as you look for ways you can use that time to support yourself, to support your family, but primarily yourself, right? Once you are restored and refreshed, you have more of yourself to give your family. So don't put them above yourself on your priority list. Of course, when you have babies, when your littles are very small, they require your attention. But as soon as possible, as soon as you're able to start modeling that by taking care of myself, I'm better able to take care of you. I believe this is the kind of generational impact that is going to move people towards more healthy and whole lifestyles for themselves. 
So how can you embrace this time, protect this time, celebrate it, even create rituals out of the routines, the self-care that you're bringing in for yourself? What kind of daily routine helps you start out? I hear the million dollar morning. I aspire to a flawless million dollar morning, but my mornings always look very different. But how can you integrate and stack habits? What can you stack with your morning shower or stack with your morning coffee? Is it having a little book of affirmations so you read a few pages of something that lifts your mood? Or is it having that gratitude journal so you jot down a couple of things as you're sipping your cup of coffee? Is it doing a body brush routine before you take a shower using a natural bristle brush to brush the skin towards the heart to stimulate your lymph and to help to detox, help to energize? help to start your day. Just give yourself two minutes of paying attention to your body. So beneficial physically and emotionally. And I love the invigorating benefits of body brushing. 10 minute walks. Where can you put a five or 10 minute walk in your schedule after you eat a meal to balance your blood sugar after or while you have a phone call so that you can get up and move around? Or what can you do on your commute home? What can you listen to that lifts your mood? Maybe instead of talk radio or news, you find a comedian, you can listen to some of their recordings or a comedy podcast, a podcast that is uplifting for you. Maybe your commute is your opportunity to dial someone up and to talk with someone on the car phone, the Bluetooth, not holding your phone, safety first, and being able to have that connection with somebody. What are some ways in which through your schedule, as you reclaim this time, you can put little things in there that nourish you and feed your soul. We like to think, I think many of us like to think we're spontaneous, we're carefree, we can have variability in our schedule, but a lot of times these routines and these rituals, this is really how we're wired, right? There are so many mental processes that our brains have to carry on, that the more we can have routine and ritual, the more comforting it is. I like to think of, and Jana Danielson recommended in her show, that she has little Lego blocks of morning routines. And so if she has a full morning before she has a meeting, she likes to do all of these things in the sign of sequence. And if she's pressed for time, she has an early meeting or she has travel, she's got some core blocks that she brings in her and rituals so that she starts her day off right. So look at ways that you can start to create these routines for yourself without feeling commitment, without feeling obligation. But I think over time, as you see how they support you, you'll start to look forward to them. So I hope that this kind of overview of time, of reclaiming your time, leaves you feeling empowered. As I said at the beginning, no one else is going to defend your time. It's something that you are going to have to find the space, the opportunity, create the boundaries to protect. So once you have done this work, how can you make the most of it? How can you really celebrate the things that are on your calendar? Sometimes there are obligations and those commitments, but to balance those, how can you have your calendar more supportive to you so that when you do have to live by your calendar until you can get to the weekend, you can be looking forward to the days. You're not living for the weekend because because you finally have time to do what you wish. Because I know personally, when my life looked like that, my weekends looked like me sitting on the couch and not doing anything, right? So 
How can we find that restoration and rejuvenation throughout the week so that when we get free time, we're really available. We're really juiced up and ready to engage, to explore, to be creative, to connect with the people that we love, and we can make the most of all of that time. And I hope that you will be kind to yourself and recognize that this self-care, this personal optimization is chasing your goals. It's a journey. It's not about the destination. You're not going to perfect this and be able to leave it be. It's something that we come back to over time. It evolves. Things take up different space in our lives during different seasons. Sometimes we have to put things on hold and focus on family. Sometimes we need to ask for more support for family so we can focus on our goals. And understand that there's going to be that ebb and flow as you move forward through different seasons of this year, through different years of our lives, and be kind to yourself. Above all, be kind to yourself. I thank you for tuning in on the show today. Thanks so much for joining me. And I look forward to seeing you here next week. And in the meantime, please share your comments, your takeaways, your favorite self-care routines or rituals. You might inspire someone else, or if there's something you took away from the show that you're ready to implement, go ahead and share that. I'd love to hear from you. And until next time, take great care of yourself. Thanks for joining us today. To learn more about living life with less stress and more flow, visit happifiedlife.com. Subscribe on your favorite player to catch the next episode as soon as it's out. Sharing really is caring, so please rate and review the show while you're there. And if you know someone else who would love it, please pass it along. Until next time, my friends, keep on shining.